What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dump and Chaser podcast. We're back from holiday break. Uh, just sent out the first Dump and Chaser uh, one-word power rankings. It's a really cool idea. Um, just kind of a, a change-up of like the cookie-cutter bullshit stuff with uh, the power rankings. So we're really excited to get that out. Uh, that's going to be a weekly thing, along with the podcast and a bunch of other recap stuff. Um, we're going to add a lot to the reading aspect of the website. We're going to do a lot to kind of improve your experience every time you come to the Dump and Chaser website. Uh, we're super, super excited to be back. Um, a solo escape for me today, uh, but we're getting, we're working on getting everybody uh, back in line to come back onto the podcast and do a bunch of, bunch of cool stuff. Uh, so we're really excited about that. If the podcast sounds a lot better, that is because I got a new microphone. Shouts to Rouse Media uh, for that. Uh, well, my mom got it, but Rouse Media makes a great mic. Highly recommend it. And I also recommend checking out Fanatics.com. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Fanatics. They have all the latest and greatest in baseball jerseys, hockey jerseys, football jerseys, UFC gear, everything you could want. A lot of you that are hopping on the Vegas bandwagon cannot find Vegas gear anywhere, but maybe online. So make your first stops, fanatics.com. All right, guys, this is a jam-packed episode. Uh, We've got a ton of stuff. To talk about from bye weeks, who's leading their divisions, uh, what's happening in Chicago, all sorts of contention or uh, contenders, pretenders, all sorts of that shit. So we're um, I'm just gonna jump right into it uh, with bye weeks because I'm super pissed off for fantasy reasons, uh, for reasons which the NHL cannot tell us uh, why they're doing this directly following a holiday break, which I know is not a whole week off. Neither is the bye week really; it's like four or five days. Um, but they just, we just got Christmas Eve, Christmas in, uh, the day after off, not to mention only two teams played on January 1st. So there's, it's a lot of time off and then they go right into a bye week. But in March, when we're leading up to a playoff push, and I think Linda Cohn actually just mentioned this, um, or tweeted it out, you know, maybe a bye week at the end of February or early March, as these teams gear up for the most grueling playoffs in all sports, like that makes more sense than giving these teams four or five days off after they just had four or five days off. Maybe not right in a row, but they had it. And these guys, you know, the all-star break's coming up too. Another break. So I don't, I just, I don't get, and I know players play over the all-star break, but most don't. Um, so it's just, it's just a lot of time off for these guys. And then when they, they kind of need, it kind of makes sense um, for them to take a, a few days off and get their bodies together for the best hockey that we can see year in, year out, then that would make the most sense. Just put it in that spot, um, that time of the year, and things will work better. Not to mention, I'm getting my dick run out in fantasy right now because a lot of my best players are about to go out. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm Winnipeg Jets heavy. I've got Truba, Line, Bufflin. I'm still trying to get Shifley. I, I just, I need more, or not Line, Wheeler, whatever. There's, both, there's a shit ton of points coming out of the Winnipeg Jets. Why wouldn't I want it? And then they go on a bye week. I've got two Penguins, two of the best Penguins. But it, it's just, it, fantasy aside, even though it is pissing me off, it's just bad timing uh, for stuff like that. You know, you just got to find, as I turn my phone on vibrate finally, um, there's just a better time of the year to do something like this as opposed to right after they've had a break and right before another break. Um and just just find a better time. I know the NHL isn't about what's best for the players or what's best for the fans or anything like that. They're really, really about what's best for the little fucking midget we've got running the league. 
but there's better ways to do things. And until maybe the players step out and really talk about, you know, maybe this year with with more of the um, bye weeks coming together at the same time, and then realizing that, you know, going into the playoffs that they're dead, then maybe they'll speak out and they'll they'll start to see the issue with it. But it it's just not lining up to make a whole ton of sense. And I, I wish I could make sense of it because it would make things a lot easier and it would but there's no there's no explanation for the NHL other than these players play a long season. We need to give them time off. Um but three times in the course of what seems like six weeks, it's just it's it's fucking stupid. Like it's just it's not lining up. It doesn't make sense with the way the season the flow of the season uh, and when they would need time off. But that's just you know, if you're gonna have the bye weeks, put them in there where they make sense, not where it's most convenient or the slowest time, I guess I could say. Because I know during the NHL, NFL playoffs, a lot of people had their mind somewhere else. Um, but, you know, for somebody like me who, like, I'll watch the NFL playoffs, obviously. Like, I'm, I'm a sports nut. Like, I, I'll watch anything. But I'm still paying much more attention to hockey. And you can see these things paying out. And, yeah, these guys are going to look great in February. It's going to be fucking awesome. But once we get to April when these guys can't hardly skate and every single playoffs we hear stuff about guys playing with broken legs, broken fingers, torn ligaments, torn shoulder, like all this stuff piles up because they're getting a break before the hardest, roughest hockey of their season. Um, so that's, you know, I'd love to hear what you guys think about the bye weeks. If this is the perfect time, maybe you think so. Um, to not break up the end of the season, maybe that's how you feel about it, but where I'm at right now, I think it needs to be later in the season, not right up, like not a week off before the playoffs, but like late February, early March just seems like the right time to give these guys. Plus we have a better feeling of who's going to make it. Um, or maybe a team that's just on the outside that gives them the rest. They need to make a push. And if you're, if you're going to tell me that's an unfair advantage to a team that needs to put, like they all need it. No one's coming out of the bye week Like, Oh my God. I really wish we couldn't rest because the bye week's there. The bye week's not going away. But if, you know, you've got a team that's just like Philly or Detroit that's, you know, on the outside, they're, maybe they're a little bit further outside than what this calls for. But those teams could get the push and they could go 9-1 and one over the last 10 or something like that and get that put because everyone had the bye week. So we know that's the way it's got to happen. So just figure it out. NHL and I'd love to hear what you guys think just let me know you know what what the bye week for you is if you don't like it if you think it should be in a different spot or just taken out as a whole uh let us know we love you know we love feedback on stuff like that um and speaking of you know who might need the biggest break right now there's four teams and I think probably two really surprising ones um as far as division leaders go Right now, Tampa's still up there, obviously. Tampa's Tampa's ridiculous. I was looking, um, let me pull it up, actually. The things that they lead the NHL in are not, like, obviously for players, Kucherov's got the most points. He's still rocking 60, and he's got 27 goals. Uh, Vasilevsky, who I, I never thought there'd be a day where a team could get rid of Ben Bishop and improve so much um, in the crease. And, and Andre Vasilevsky has done exactly that. Uh, goals per game, bolts. And the only thing they really don't lead in that would surprise me 
is in shootouts, St. Louis, not to change the subject, St. Louis hasn't given up a shootout goal all season. I don't know how many they've been in off the top of my head, uh, but that's that's kind of crazy that they have not, they've yet to give up a goal. In they've had th- I mean they've had three shootouts, but three shootouts with no goals. I mean that's pretty impressive. A lot of teams, uh, the Kings have had two shootouts. They've won both of them, but they've given up a goal. So whatever. I mean it's just it. I thought it was a pretty impressive stat to not give up a goal. And you know we're getting pretty late in the season here, as we were just talking about. So maybe or pretty late into the year, and you know with these midpoints, if something like that sticks up, that's that's going to be a pretty impressive mark for a team that surprised a lot of us. Um, but still, Tampa Bay leading the Atlantic. Uh, Boston is making a huge push, but they're still still 12 points behind. Boston and Toronto are going to make the playoffs. I mean, the the Atlantic is terrible. The next the the team behind Toronto is the fucking Florida Panthers. They've got 42 points. That's 12 points. That's 12 points behind Toronto. 24 25 games out uh out of the lead of the division, which is nuts. And Detroit, Montreal, Ottawa, Buffalo. If that surprises you with the names or the teams I just listed at the bottom of the Atlantic Division. Stay tuned. Um, that's going to be uh, another segment coming up and just kind of talking about the East. Uh, and then Washington still leading the Metropolitan uh, by a slimmer margin, definitely, than Tampa's leading their division. Uh, but Washington looks good. Ovi's still on fire. Uh, 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. They did lose last night to Carolina. But, um, I mean, they're still putting up a shit ton of goals. They're just... Holpe is not Holpe to me this year. Like you, sometimes you look at Hol- you used to look at Holpe and thought like if you poked him he would fall over. Like he was just unconscious back there. Like not unconsciously good he was, but it was literally like he wasn't even breathing uh, when he was in the net. And this year it's just like he's he's flails a lot. You know it's like it's almost reminiscent of like Chris watching Chris Osgood in that because he never like he was just all over the place and flailing around. He made a lot of good saves and Holpe still makes a lot of good saves. But he's not as sound, like he's not the guy that you look at and you're just like, I need that guy. He's the best goalie in the league. Um, he just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the confidence issue. Maybe it's the fact that the defense in front of him is giving him no help. But as long as Alex Ovechkin stays on the the torrid pace he's on, uh, they're they're going to be fine. Washington, I can see coming away with that division. But Columbus and New Jersey, not far behind. New Jersey, not far behind. Get that through your head. Uh, and then we move over to the West. Nashville was on fire, and now they're four, four, and two in their last ten. But Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets, fifty-nine points, leading the Central, the best division in hockey, arguably, uh, if not tied with the Metro for the best division in hockey. Uh, but I mean, the Winnipeg Jets—they're plus thirty. They're seven, one, and two in their last ten. They're you know they put up seven goals last night they put up I mean I feel like they're a team that can go out and score seven goals every night and that's probably good because we're still not totally sure uh what we're gonna get from Connor Hellbuck but I can tell you what he's definitely a damn good goaltender and he's only gonna get better um as things progress you know they beat they beat uh Buffalo a couple times this month uh, already, they they lost to Colorado. That was a tough game. They go in and they beat the Sharks. Still a tough game. And now this, you know, their schedule coming up. They've got Chicago uh, tomorrow. By the time you listen to this, probably tonight, or it is t- it is tonight. And then Minnesota tomorrow. 
both of those are away. And then they take a uh, a five-day break for their bye week. And then they come right back with at Calgary and Vancouver. So they're going to tour Canada, Western Canada. So if they can get wins out of these teams, you know, they finish the month with San Jose, Anaheim, and Tampa Bay. So in reality, when you look at it, their next seven games are really going to tell us who Winnipeg is. If they can go out and score five goals a game and beat these teams, you know, 5-3, that's great. If they go out and beat these teams 5-1, 4-nothing, 3-0, that's going to tell us that they are for real. They're serious contender because these are all teams that can score goals, um, especially Tampa. And you can't win. My thing with the Winnipeg Jets in the beginning of the season was the fact that they were winning games but winning games that you can't win in the playoffs. And what I mean by that is you can't win a 7-5 to five game in the playoffs. It doesn't happen. You you will still probably give up those five goals but only score three because, because the competition in the playoffs is just on another level. And Winnipeg doesn't really know that. They don't have the experience. Um, and then last but not least, it's still the Vegas Golden Knights. Unbelievable. 29-10-2. 9-1 in their last 10. Uh, they beat the Rangers last night or a few days ago. Like, it's just, they're unbelievable. It's it's crazy to watch a bunch of overachievers, because that's what they are. A bunch of guys, you know, not fourth line. They aren't all fourth line guys. There are fourth line guys. Um, but it's a lot of second and third line guys really, really pushing to, to show that they are uh, legitimate contenders, le- legitimate um, hopefuls when it comes to winning the Stanley Cup this year. And that's probably far off um, for a team like this. But, you got to remember, it's not like this is an expansion team full of rookies. These are all guys who have been in the playoffs before. They know how to, they know, you know, they know how to play at the very highest level um, during the postseason. So moving forward, I think it's something um, to look out for whether or not the season wears on them um, or the guys playing first line minutes for this team who don't normally play first line minutes for the team they came from. Uh, if that starts to affect them as the season goes on, but March or so, James Neal. You know, Dave England gets his points in there. He's playing great. Um, there's just so many guys on this team that have come together to really show that the, um, they're a legitimate contender, in the, at least in the West. You know, I don't know if they – not that they're in the East, but I don't know – you know, I don't really know how they're going to – both uh, conferences are going to stack up against each other. But, obviously, I think the wealth of talent is, is in the East um, this year, which maybe the past, you know, a couple years, but we really haven't said that. Um, as long as I've been watching hockey, it's always been the West. The West has had the more dominant teams. Um, going back to really, like, uh, as far as I can remember when it comes to, like, Detroit and Colorado. And those were the two teams you, you know, had to watch. And then, you know, there was New Jersey. Or, like, one great team in the East. But, you know, the the abundance of talent was in the West. Um, but sticking <clears throat> excuse me, in, the, in the West is, you know, you got to talk about Chicago because they are – last in their division and it's kind of you know it's kind of crazy to think about um chicago uh, falling off i guess you could say you know like like in today's power rankings i put slipping and i think i think that's the best way to describe a team that's in the position chicago's in um their guys aren't you know not everybody's playing up to the level that we're used to seeing out of them and uh brandon sod you know, was a guy that you uh, you expected to, you know, come back to Chicago and produce because that's why they got him, and that's, you know, who he was previously. So it's just like, 
you you wonder how long a, a dynasty because saying that they're not a dynasty to me is still crazy. Three and six in today's NHL is a dynasty. If you disagree, let me know. But in my mind, three and six is a dynasty. Uh, but they're still like they're getting production. Like guys like you know Patrick Kane has still been really good. He's still almost a point a game guy, just under. Um, I think he's got like one less point than games played, and that's what you need out of him. But you know everyone's got to come together. I think Jonathan Taves is really struggling. He's having an off year. He just you, it's it's hard to tell really because so much of what he does on the ice isn't quanti- quantified by statistics. But he can still be playing bad and have good st- good stats. You know that's that's kind of the crazy thing about that Chicago team is it's kind of been Patrick Kane and then a bunch of help. And that's not to say that they weren't a great team uh, surrounded you know, that surrounded Patrick Kane with great players because you would almost think that it was Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and a bunch of help. Um, but Patrick Kane, he actually is over a point a game. He's got 45 points. And then the next highest point getter on the team is Nick Schmaltz. And then Taves, the Brinkett's playing really well. Like, they've got guys playing well, um, but not the whole lot of them like they're, they're used to having. But you guys... You know, you got guys that come up and play, like Hinnestroza. Uh, he, you know, he's got a few points. Uh, Esterle. You know, these guys are getting points, but it's got to be the whole effort. That's when we saw Chicago winning cups. It's when the whole team was gathered around, and they were they were doing everything it took to win. Uh, and I don't think this team has enough in the tank to give it their all and still win. Um uh, and that's, you know, I'm pretty biased on the on the Chicago thing, and I really don't think that they have the talent to win. But come playoff time, you, you just never know. I was talking about Winnipeg, and, you know, they would have to change the way they play a little bit to get through the playoffs and not try to win these, you know, shootout games in the sense that, you know, they were 7-5, to five, not going to a shootout. Um, Chicago's got to flip that switch. You know, a lot of people always talk about LeBron and the, the flip he can – with a switch, he can, you know, flip on, you know, zero dark, 23, whatever he calls it. Um, he, you know, su- shuts off social media, really gets focused in, and then ends up in the finals. And Chicago's going to have to find their version of that because they started the season, and they they could have started the season with, like, a point in 25 straight games. Corey Crawford is unbelievable. He's still got a 9-2-9 save percentage, not to mention that that was higher to begin the season. So, you know, they, they come out and they don't perform as well as they probably could. It You know, it's going to come back to bite them because when Crawford had like a 9-4-2 or the fuck his save percentage was back then, they, they could have taken a stranglehold on their division and really put the pedal down and, and done some serious damage uh, to, to the Winnipeg's, Nashville, St. Louis. You know, the three teams ahead of them in the division, not to mention Dallas and Minnesota, are also in the wild card. Let's take a step back and talk about the the two conferences that are just dominate, or two divisions that are just dominating hockey right now. In the, in the East, the Metropolitan Division has, obviously, there are three teams. The 1-2-3 seed right now is Washington, Columbus, and New Jersey. Great. Phenomenal. Wild card, two teams. New York Rangers and Carolina Hurricanes. The th- three teams following that are Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and the New York Islanders. Only the Islanders two points out of a wild card spot. So all eight teams in that division are competing 
for a playoff spot. And Washington has 57 points. The Islanders have 46. So all eight teams are amongst 11 positions to make a to make the playoffs, and that is insane. And it's not like any of these teams are playing particularly poorly. You know, Philadelphia had a huge losing streak and then a big winning streak, and I think they're somewhere in the middle there. Um, I think them and Carolina are the two teams to fall back. A little bit of bias, uh, but I really do. I think Carolina and Philadelphia are the teams to fall off for sure. Um, and I think, uh, honestly, I think Pittsburgh and New- the Islanders are going to have to fight for that last wild card spot because Florida, Detroit, Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo follow the Islanders, and none of those teams are making the playoffs. That is a shitstorm down there. Detroit's too old. Montreal's too overrated. Ottawa, I don't know what that dumpster fire has going on for them. Buffalo's Buffalo. Maybe they get Darlene, you know, with number one pick in the draft. That's what you got to hope for if you're Buffalo at this point because nothing else is going to be going right for them. So when New Jersey's sitting pretty with 52 points in third place in the in the division, and that's something we never expected – got to be careful because right on your tail is the New York Rangers and Carolina Hurricanes, and they're only three and four points back, respectively. So there's just there's so much going on. The goal differential in the Metro, I think, speaks to the competition as well because a lot of these teams in a possible playoff spot, the Islanders are minus 12, Philadelphia's plus 1, Pittsburgh's minus 12, Rangers plus 11. The Washington Capitals are only plus 12. Columbus, second place in the division, minus two. Jersey, plus five. And you look at the Atlantic, and Tampa Bay's fucking plus 49. Boston's plus 29. Toronto's plus 15. And you've got minus 17, 15, 21, 32, and 52 for the rest of the teams in the in the, in the the Atlantic. So that the Atlantic division is a non-factor other than pretty much Tampa Bay at this point. Like, Boston's playing really well, but I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep that, how long they're going to be able to keep that going. But as far as playoff seeding, it's who from the Atlantic or the Metropolitan do you like more. And it doesn't stop there because on the other side in the Western Conference, it's practically the same deal with the Central Division. Winnipeg's leading with 59 points. Nashville right behind them, 56. St. Louis, 55. Dallas and Minnesota, the wildcard teams. And then there's San Jose in the middle there. And then Chicago and Colorado followed up. And then Anaheim, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona to round off the pack and like Colorado and Chicago both had positive goal differentials and I don't know where the hell or Colorado came from this year Nathan McKinnon deserves a Nobel Prize and probably the Hart Trophy if the season were to finish today or with them in a playoff spot you know they're just they're playing really well they're finding a way to finish games they're 22 16 and 3 um they have they're one point behind Chicago three points behind Minnesota for a wild card spot and this all goes back to what I was talking about a second ago. Well, Chicago is in serious trouble. They are really going to struggle to get past these Western Conference teams, especially amongst their own division, if they can't find a way to finish the games they normally win. Because Dallas, Dallas during the regular season is going to be difficult because they can score a shit ton of goals. But the same problem that I was talking about with Winnipeg, I don't think they can stop a lot of shots. You know, I, Ben Bishop is very, very disappointing. Um, and then Nashville, during the season, they try to win 3-2, to 3-1 to one games. So beating them enough times to put yourself in a position to make the playoffs is just, it, it's going to be too much for Chicago and probably Colorado, but Colorado's a great story. I mean, this turnaround, you know, <laughs> it, it makes you wonder if, if Duchesne quit or if Duchesne was making them a worse team or both because they're, they've been much, much better since that trade happened. And they're fighting with 
Chicago. They, you know, bit the big bad team that's always been in that division. So if Winnipeg keeps it up, Chicago's going to have a real, real tough time uh, finding somewhere in those other four playoff spots because I really don't see San Jose making a move, uh, especially when they're not, they can't win games in their own division. They're just okay at home, just okay on the road um, in 4-3-3 three, and three in their last 10. So take that how you want. They just lost to Winnipeg, and I think that speaks to a lot um, of what's really going on over in that conference. Uh, but like I, like I said, it's, it's, it's a weird day in hockey when we can sit here and talk about the Eastern Conference and how dominant it's been over the West. Um, and who knows, maybe the, Western, the Stanley Cup winner comes from the West. You've still got Vegas with 60 points, and as I check everything, that's still second place in the entire league behind only Tampa, who's got 65 points. And they are on, but they're eighteen two and one at home. You know, Winnipeg is close to that. Tampa Bay is close to that, but that's just because they've won a shit ton of games. You know, they're going to be good everywhere. And Washington's decent at home, so your division winners are going to be good at home. And then we talk about teams that aren't that good at home. Chicago eleven seven and two, not that great at home. So with these teams that are going to get you know home ice advantage through at least the first round series, Tampa Bay probably through the playoffs Vegas probably through the playoffs if, if things keep up so up until that Stanley Cup final you're going to have to go to Vegas and these teams don't like going to Vegas and in the in the power rankings today my descriptive my one word for Vegas was flu that's the Vegas flu Greg Wyshynski of ESPN Puck Soup Podcast he wrote a big piece on the Vegas flu and, and why teams can't go in there and win and it's, it's, it's simple it's fucking Vegas like these guys are having Alton, you think Patrick Kane doesn't love going to play in Vegas, even if they lose eight to one? They're gonna have a great time. I'm sure, PK Subban loves going to Vegas. These these guys, they're human beings. They're superstar athletes with a shit ton of money going to Vegas. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like a team in Vegas because I think it's awesome. I think it's been great for the league this year. A ton of coverage for a city that deserved it after what happened with the shooting, and the fact that they've been able to be so good. I think it's great. But I, I wonder long-term, and this is thinking way ahead, but I wonder how long teams are going to struggle going to Vegas and adjusting to the fact that they have to play a game and they're not on vacation. Because if for months and months, I think it's been teams going in there and going to Vegas, not going to play a hockey game. And I think their success is twofold. They were better than people thought, and teams aren't going there with hockey maybe on the forefront of their mind. And I'm not saying that's all the play. You think Jonathan Taves doesn't go to Chicago or go to Vegas with his mind on hockey, Captain Sirius? Of course he does. But there's plenty of guys on every team that are loving the trip to Vegas to play. So I just think I think it's cool that there's, you know, it may not be the best for, you know, fans in in Florida with two teams in a bad division, even though Tampa's the best. You know, Boston probably doesn't love having the spotlight somewhere else. Um, and I thought I, yeah, I thought Toronto would be, you know, kind of battling with Tampa for that top spot. And they're, they're really not. They're 12 points back, but still in that third, you know, that third spot. Uh, so there's a ton that's going to go on amongst two conferences. And I think we're starting to see the playoff picture, or two divisions. And I think we're starting to see the playoff picture play out in the other two. I, I really think that the Atlantic is probably set, which is interesting because Boston and Toronto 
you know, probably at the end of this month or at the end of February at least are going to start thinking about that matchup between each other because Toronto in in that three spot is 11 points ahead of Florida already. And that gap is going to build. Detroit's not coming out of nowhere. Montreal definitely isn't coming out of nowhere. You know, and then, you know, the rest of the bottom feeders, no one's going to come after Toronto. But when Jersey's only up three points and six altogether from the bottom of their division, I, th- I think it causes for an interesting race down, the, down to the end. And same with, I think the Central's going to be the most fun because that, that, that division scores a ton of goals. And there's, there's like budding rivalries amongst all teams. Chicago and the whole division. Winnipeg and Nashville starting to get there. St. Louis, St. Louis and Dallas. I think since that schlacking, St. Louis gave uh, Dallas in game one in game seven um, of the second round a couple years ago. After after St. Louis had already beaten Chicago, I think that kind of forged something. I think Jamie Ben really goes into St. Louis hating life because they give him hell every time he goes in there. Um, so it's fun to see these rival rivalries. You know, come to fruition in a really tough division, a really high-powered offensive division, and then amongst all that is Nashville just kind of doing their thing. They have the, they're doing their thing. They've got rivals, they've got teams they hate, they've got teams they love playing because they always whip their ass. But at the same time, they don't give up a ton of goals. Not like Los Angeles, who hasn't even given up a hundred goals so far this season, but. Nashville is still going to play that defensively sound game, and they're going to let you beat yourself. And I think that's what Nashville does best is 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 let you beat yourself. Uh, so I mean, you just you got to look at these divisions and really think about uh, what what's going to come up come of all this because there's so many different storylines and it could change from day to day. I mean, look at Chicago playing Minnesota today. That would that would switch the two because Chicago is a game in hand. If they beat Minnesota in regulation, they both got 50 points, and all of a sudden, Minnesota's the odd man out. You know, and they're looking up in a playoff spot. Chicago rattles off two in a row. You know, they're they're in the first wild card spot. A few games in a row, they beat, they start winning inside the division. All of a sudden, they're third or second place in, in the in the d- division. So there's there's just so much can ha- that can happen day to day. I think this is one of those things that we'll be able to focus on more as the podcast continues and as you guys watch at home, what what comes about teams that can win a game and jump three spots in the division and on the other side, a team that loses falls two or three spots or possibly out of the playoff picture. I know we're not even at the all-star break, but this is something that's got to come, that's got to be in the back of these teams mind because especially in the metropolitan or in the uh, Atlantic Boston and Toronto can start planning for each other. I I don't see a way around it. Um, so that's you know that's the divisions right now. Let's take a quick uh, minute to talk about NatureBox. NatureBox is a monthly membership that provides members savings of up to forty percent in hundreds of carefully sourced and nutrition approved snacks. I don't know if you guys have gotten your monthly NatureBox yet. We love it over here at my house. They've got everything from cookies to pretzels to snacks to trail mix to granola bars. Everything's great. Personally. Anything trail mix is right up my alley, and NatureBox has all the best options for you. Members can order an unlimited variety of over 100 wholesome snacks with no artificial sweeteners, flavors of colors, all sorts of things. Everything you're looking for to kind of kickstart that New Year's resolution and get stuff going, NatureBox has it. 
Snacking has never been so deliciously fun and naturally easy. Head over to NatureBox and get your free trial started today. All right, I just want to take this time to welcome NatureBox as well after I do the ad read, which is normally what people do. They tell you all about someone and then introduce them. Um, ignoring my my stupidity, uh, NatureBox, really fun sponsor, really great place to uh, check out their website, naturebox.com. Head over there, get your free trial, and we really appreciate a partnership. Um, hopefully it lasts a very, very long time. Thank you, NatureBox, for being a partner with this podcast. We appreciate it. I want to end... Um, I want to end this podcast on a kind of a kind of a note we were just sort of talking about, um, but you're it, everything's kind of up in the air right now, honestly. With you know, with everything we were just talking about, um, but the you know the All Star game we can't hide from the All Star game, and I kind of want to end it on that because there's just storylines with who got snubbed, who's you know not going, who did the most for their team, Phil Kessel, who's not gonna be there um so but and some of it was chalk some of it we knew these guys were going you look at the metro you've got ov Sidney crosby josh bailey john tavares taylor hall claude Giroux, uh latang seth jones noah hannafin lundquist and hopi and you, you got to remember every team gets to send at least someone aka mike green went um and for anybody who doesn't know that that's just a little clarification of like why are you know certain guys going um, but that doesn't mean a team can't have two, obviously. And I think the the bright spot for the Metro is the fact that Josh Bailey went because he has he's been a stud for that Islanders team. And if they make a push, it'll be because Josh Bailey is helping John Tavares get that secondary. Not that Matt Barzal hasn't been great, but Josh Bailey is just one of those guys. He's been around and he he can find the back of the net similar to the way John Tavares does. And I think it's great for Tavares because maybe it. It helps him, you know, find a home in in New York because I really don't think, or Brooklyn, I really don't think that uh, he wants to stay at this point. And you know, Latang, who's been terrible, I don't or not. It, I don't want to say terrible, but he hasn't been Chris Latang of late. Uh, and he's, you know, there was even a little bit of a trade rumor for a while. So I know they got to fill out defensemen. That's whatever. But like Crosby over Kessel is sort of interesting to me because it just seems like they're rewarding Sidney Crosby for being Sidney Crosby. But Ovechkin's been great. Lundqvist and Holpe are the only guys you can send from the Metro. Um, it, I mean, probably the best team, if not the Central, but we'll get to them. Atlantic Division, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Hedman all go from uh, the Bolts. Also, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, Hedman is hurt three to six weeks, so, so we'll, we'll keep you updated on who the substitution is going to be. Michael Matthews, Eric Carlson, Sasha Barkoff, Brad Marchand, Mike Green, and Carey Price, the other goaltender, which, again, awarding Carey Price for being Carey Price. Uh, Carlson hasn't had that great of a season, but he's Eric Carlson. Mike Green, they just needed to take someone off the Red Wings, I can see. Um, I'll be, you know, it would be fun to see Matthews and Eichel play together again. Uh, that's, you know, that's a lot of fun to see those two guys. Uh, who, you know, those are the guys that they're in separate draft classes, but there's so many relatable things between the two. Um, and, you know, both being American, it's just fun. It's fun to watch those two guys play together. Sasha Barkoff and Brad Marchand, no surprise, just not really somebody that uh, a lot of people get to see play that much. Obviously, the Panthers aren't that good. They're not on TV as much. And Boston, Boston's coverage as far as nationwide, has has dropped a little bit, because, but they haven't been as good as they are at this current moment. So that'll probably start to change as things improve. 
The Central Division, gear up. Patrick Kane, Tyler Sagan, Blake Wheeler, Nathan McKinnon, my personal MVP choice, Eric Stahl, Braden Shen, Connor Hellbuck, Pekka P.K. Subban, John Klingberg, and Alex Petrangelo. Patrick Kane, Tyler Sagan, obvious selections. Blake Wheeler, Nathan McKinnon, also obvious. Eric Stahl, your Minnesota Wild pick because they had to have a pick. Braden Shen's been great. The interesting thing to me about this, though, is is a lot of people are talking about Braden Shen and why didn't they send Tarasenko. I think it's I think it's showing what adding a guy can do for a team because they led the division for so long. They had such a great start. They're still a very good team. And but Braden Shen's not blowing Tarasenko out of the water statistically. So I think a lot of people think, well, who are you you know who's the guy that people are going to want to watch? Is it Braden Shen or is it Vladimir Tarasenko? Obviously, it's Tarasenko. There's there's nobody outside of maybe the Philly loyal who miss him and love him and think that now that he's playing the position that he want, you know, was always supposed to play, things are going to be better for him. They are better for him, but I th- I still think Vladimir Tarasenko is the better player and you know the All Star. But you know, Pachangelo got on there too. Uh, shout out to St. Louis for sending two um, because not you know not a lot of teams get to send two. Not nobody is like the Bolts who can send four. But you know, Patrick Kane. Good on him. Tyler Sagan, exciting. John Klingberg, great choice. Great choice. Underrated score. And then Connor Hellbuck, like we were talking about with the Jets earlier, if they're going to win close games in the playoffs, they need him to have some confidence. I think the all-star game for him is going to be that confidence. And we're going to end it with (laughs) the most interesting team and probably a one-and-done. Brock Besser, Connor McDavid, Brent Burns, Ricard Raquel, Andrzej Kopitar, Drew Doughty, James Neal, Johnny Gaudreau, Oliver Ekman, Larson, Jonathan Quick, and Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Quick show of hands, who knows how many games Marc-Andre Fleury has played this year? Not enough. That was the correct answer. Not enough games to become an all-star, but he's Marc-Andre Fleury, and that team is in first place. Uh, good on him. That's you know, it's still it's still great. Like it's not a bad thing to have these guys in there. It's it's a wa- it's a watchable. It's from the watchable standpoint. So Besser's been unbelievable. For anybody who doesn't get to see the Canucks play very often, I urge you to take every opportunity you can because Besser is an awesome young player. Connor McDavid, obviously. Drew Doughty, Brent Burns, Oliver ekman Larson, the best uh, defenseman, arguably in that conference, uh, but definitely the best in that division. Jonathan Quick has been playing great. Uh, he, you know, he should have been the first and foremost all-star in the in the whole Western Conference, I think. Uh, and then, you know, it's going to be interesting to see James Neal and Johnny Gaudreau hopefully play together. I think, you know, in my line prediction I was kind of doing, um, I had James Neal and Gaudreau uh, playing with Dowdy. But, you know, obviously things change. It's only three on three. But if you're going to start with that, uh, that, I think that's where you should go. So the all-star game, you know, it's fun. They've got the skills competition. They're making a few changes. A lot of good teams, you know, tune in January 28th, NBC, all that good stuff, 3, 3.30 p.m. Um, but, you know, Barry Trotz is going to be out there. John Cooper is going to be out there. Lavi, uh, Gerard Gallant, awesome, awesome selection for him uh, coming from the Vegas Golden Knights. So that's great. Like, it's going to be a fun, fun weekend. It just sucks to be able to watch this and think, like, how is Phil Kessel not there? How is Jonathan Marchessault not there? You know, th- those are the two guys that kind of stuck out to me as – the snubs, um, and if you guys have any more snubs that you can think of, uh, you know, let me know because there's so there's you know there's guys on every team that could be all stars other than probably like the Red Wings, 
Um, and that's not a shot at the Red Wings. That's just there's not an all-star there. You know, even the Sabres have Eichel. And Athens CU and Larkin have been playing great. And, you know, I haven't really even been paying attention to Mantha, to be completely honest. I don't even know where he's at. But they don't really have an all-star on that team. Um, but to see the Isles have two is great. Um, like I talked about, Bailey and Tavares already. Claude Giroux, the Flyers pick, just because they needed a pick. Uh, and to see a guy like Noah Hannafin finally get that justice that he deserves and get in there. Justin Falk hasn't been playing up to expectations, so they're going to reward Noah Hannafin. I think that's fucking awesome. Um, so we'll have more discussions about it before the actual date. Um, but I, 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 I really like these teams. I, I just think there are very minor things that they could do differently. Like sending Phil Kessel to the All-Star game. Reward that guy for something. He got the Con Smythe trophy stolen from him. No disrespect to Sidney Crosby, but it was obviously Phil Kessel's to win. Didn't go to the World Cup of Hockey, which is an absolute joke, but we've been over that. Let's get the guy to the All-Star game, man. Like, it's not his fault he plays with two incredible talents. Evgeny Malkin probably could have been on on that team. But they go with Crosby, and it's it's not a slap in the face because he's Sidney Crosby. It's just it's weird to see with what they, you know, what their criteria was. And it seems like a big part of their criteria is being a superstar to be an all-star. So that's where I'll leave you guys this week. A couple things to mull over. Oh, real quick. Um, while I was doing the podcast, I did have a question, uh, a Twitter question uh, from Quinn Cantu, friend of the podcast. He, uh, he was looking over the power rankings, and for Calgary, I put runaround because they were supposed to have this amazing defense and really push things on offense. They gave us a runaround on that. Obviously, they are not the team we thought they were. And Quinn suggested, you know, I thought maybe the word for Calgary was going to be inconsistent. Great fucking point. Love it. Just, they've been consistently pretty terrible. And, you know, for the the amount of time that they are good, you can double it for being bad. So that's just, that's just where I was with that. If you guys have any other questions about why teams got the... The ranking they did, the one word they did, let me know. Each and every week, that's going to be coming out. One word power rankings. Super fun idea uh, for the podcast, and I think it's going to go over really great. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank Fanatics and NatureBox for being friends of the podcast. We're having a great time with all this. I want to thank my mom for getting me this fucking awesome mic. And, again, I want to thank you guys for reading the website, going to the website, sharing, retweeting. Please give us that rating on iTunes. Um, and everything's great. So thank you guys again. I will talk to you next week. This has been the Dump and Chaser Podcast. I'm Kyle Gearholtz. See you guys.